listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. We start with the Titans game because we did have news on it. Yeah, the Titans up to minus three and a half uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. You mentioned Derrick Henry. That movement was downward from four to three and a half. Yeah, which is odd because, like we said at the beginning of the show, Derrick Henry did get a full contact practice in. The money's still coming in on the Bengals, though. And this is a very important lesson, and it's a complex one, but it's very simple overarchingly. Everything in the world, in the universe, everything in it that's perceivable, is that right? Perceivable? That you can perceive, that anyone can perceive, is in the market. It is in the number. And if there's some batter that uses horoscopes, and he found out Jimmy G is having a descending moon or something. Oh. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? Aries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if that's the case... That could affect the line, meaning that guy might bet or gal, perhaps, might bet enough. And you know, they might say, Hey, the gal might say, Listen, I like Jimmy G's, I like his jawline. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> but they might say his descending moon is a problem. Fade, line goes down. It really is the stock market's the best example of it. And it's like a living organism. You know, I was just reading last night uh, the book that Limitless, the movie, was based on. Right? You, you ever yes. see that movie? And the guy started day trading, if you remember, when he started taking that AZT or whatever it was called. And he was making a lot of money, and he had a long two pages talking about how the stock market is an alive thing. And it's alive 24 hours a day, every corner of the globe, and everyone's intelligence, collective IQ, wisdom of crowds is all saying Google is worth this, and Twitter's worth that, and U.S. Steel is worth this. And you know what? It's, there's a handful of people on Earth that's ever been better than that market. We don't know if that's luck or even a Warren Buffett. Is that luck? A lot of people don't think it is. Some people think it is. But there's not many sports bettors that can beat this market either. So when the market moves, it's never going to just be one thing, or at least we can't be sure of that. Now, when news happens, and then the move happens right when the news comes out, you can feel pretty good about that. But some of the times, the someone's waiting to play a team, but they think they might get a better line. News comes out that is kind of uh, makes their side look even better. They're going to play that team right away, even though if that news wouldn't have moved the line by itself, it unlocks the people waiting that we're going to play that side. So it's almost like, imagine you're at the sushi place. It's all-you-can-eat sushi. You're following me so far? And let's say they only come out with this special salmon once every half hour. You might be trying to decide what you want to eat next. You see that salmon plate come by, you're going, give me that. That's the one. So when it gets more attractive, 
people will act quicker. So it will move the line, though maybe that information wasn't enough by itself. It just triggered the move. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what you said that, that anybody being able to move the market if they've got enough capital behind them. I used to talk about this in Houston. There's a guy named Mattress Mac who's a furniture store owner mm-hmm. who is national story. It's a great story. He will often go and bet millions of dollars on games. But well, what, usually series. Yeah, but he did it on the Georgia-Alabama game. But he he does this basically to cover his tail on furniture uh, endorsements that he does. Like, if, if Georgia wins, you're going to get all this furniture for free, free, free. And then he'll go insure his money with a bet. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that started with him where he said if the Houston Astros win the World yes. Series, there was going to be some big... You know, it was any furniture you bought between now and now. If the Astros win, you don't have to pay for the furniture. It's free. Okay. So now let's say he had, from what I remember, he was betting maybe $15 million or so. Yeah. Okay. So let's say he's exposed for $20 million, perhaps. Now he's saying, I'm going to hedge and bet $15 million on the other side. Now, is that free? No. He's going to have whatever the, the vigorous is. It might be 5% or whatever. So let's just say $10 million, 500000 of expense, but now he's covered himself uh, or, or to whatever degree. If it's $20 million, maybe he leaves a little exposure, however he decides to do that. But it's just an example of a guy moving the market, and it's not necessarily information-based. It's just for some reason that's hard for us to really understand. That's a fascinating point because that would be one of the rarest occasions where something artificial, unrelated, moves the market. Now, I'll give you an example of that. Monday Night Football, if there's a bunch of favorites that covered throughout the weekend. So now they have open parlays and open teasers potentially on the favorite uh. on Monday Night Football. So it's the last game. It's if it wins, it's going to have a multiplier effect. It won't just be the exposure there. It's going to be the exposure of three and four teamers coming in. Yep. So what they'll do is they'll inflate that line on the favorite artificially because they want to get more money lopsided on the dog to kind of hedge themselves out a little bit. So, it, but this is the this is a rare thing, and when you find it, it's a great betting opportunity because you can if the line is moving because of the artificial money, you want to go the other way with it. We are straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bell. Does it also say that maybe the market already assumed that Derrick Henry was going to play and was a full go? All right. So, what do we speculate? Is there any news? Obviously. There's two ways lines move. They move one because of money being bet. That's the way. But why is money bet? Information or an opinion on the side? You know, you see big steam moves. It's not information. Typically, it's going to be, hey, the syndicates love this team. On the other hand, if the quarterback plays or practices or he doesn't practice, Jimmy G has this news, there's a reaction to it, and that's going to be information. So, obviously, there was a little bit of, I'm guessing, sentiment, hey, since he's good at four. Because remember, it was three and a half. It opened two and a half. Let's talk about this line move for a second. Tennessee Sunday night opened up two and a half. Okay. Now, it was pretty quickly three and a half. So a lot of early money on Tennessee. Then it drifted up to four. Drifted. It just kind of touched up there. And remember, four is the last half, even quasi key number. Four and four and a half. Before seven. Yeah. Uh, six. I, okay. I mean, six isn't a key key, but four and six are, you know, fairly key. 
five isn't. Right? Right. Very few games end five. So if you like the dog, you see that four, it's going to be a trigger. You know, it's a time to grab it because four and a half. Now, listen, four and a half, you like it because you're going off a quasi key number and you win if you take the dog, if it falls for it. But they didn't expect that, right? The pre- they, they had their speculation. I think this is that they like Cincy at four. Some of the syndicates, they grabbed it when four showed. And I also think that Henry was assumed he was going to play. And maybe this was worth an eighth of a point to Tennessee's advantage. And thus, it didn't drop as much as it would have. Remember, you can have two forces moving at sure. once, like an injury. Sometimes there's going to be like three guys on each team that are questionable. Well, if it ends up that all three is going to play for one team and only one's going to play for the other, the line's going to move in favor of the team that has three. But that one guy playing wasn't a negative thing. It was just compared to all the other things happening at once. The one guy from the other team, it was the fact two didn't, is what made the net move towards the three out of three team. Yeah, and I guess something else that I had thought about was most weeks we have a look ahead line and like we we know who's going to play the next week. Yes, because it's already scheduled. This was an example of I think that there's been love for the Bengals based on their performance last week. You think that you think the performance against the Bengals that they were one play away from maybe going to overtime. The the final score felt closer than the game was when you watched the game. I I, I think most people saw that game and said, okay, the, the Bengals were clearly the better team there, mm-hmm. and the tit- Titans being at home, maybe there's it's just a okay. Uh, the, the Titans are good; they're the one seed, but most people think they're a, a fraudulent one seed. Does public perception of watching the Bengals win have any effect on this week's line? I I think the perception came from the Kansas City. Performance week seventeen, and then with the, the the Ravens' performance the week before that. When you go in and dom, if, I think it was the week before. It might have been two. I weeks think before. it was the week before. If you if you dominate uh, a Ravens team that was the bully in that division for quite a while. Yep. I mean, Pittsburgh won some division titles, but there were you know the the nemesis of the team. I mean, the the Ravens have felt a little more. Uh, Vicious to me in a way, maybe because I'm a Steelers fan. It could be that I don't know. Uh, just to be clear, though, it was um, so with Cincinnati. It was uh, let's see here. It was KC and Cleveland was Week 18. Remember Week 18, they sat their guys. Baltimore was Week 16. So Baltimore, KC, Cleveland, they finished. And Baltimore and KC were both just dominant performances, no doubt. And what we talked about at length on Friday was Joe Burrow against the Blitz is amazing. And I think Joe Burrow in general, his stock has risen probably more than any other quarterback this season. Well, yeah, because you were screaming the number 14. I was, and I was wrong. Mike Sando was wrong to have him at 14. I was wrong. I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong. But that's also when, come playoff time, team you want to, you, people go to the window, they want to back the team who's got a quarterback. And right now, I think everybody thinks the Bengals have – that guy at quarterback. Uh, uh, I mean, no doubt an elite quarterback for sure. And there's been a lot of talk about Burrow versus your guy. Josh Allen or Justin Herbert? Herb, Herbs. Okay. Herbs. Herbs. And it's interesting. It feels like it's about 50-50 right now to take Burrow. Amongst the front office people, it seems to be more Burrow. Uh, very surprising from where it was you know, 20 weeks ago. And remember, here's the thing about Cincinnati. One... One of the you know sometimes you make a bet and you lose, but then it looks so good later. Like they were laying, 
you know, seven, and then they would have been laying 12 later, but somehow they didn't cover, and you still feel sharp about it. I bet with a smile the Bears laying two and a half to the Bengals at home. And, and when they won, and they won easy, they were up 20 nothing or 17 nothing in that game. And then late since he came on strong and almost came back. And I was like, yeah, but they were winning. Boy, that bet, that bet looks bad right now. <laughs> what would the line? What would the line be? Bears host in Cincinnati right now. Uh Bengals six. Yeah, I might be high, but it, it, it's, it's it's moved significantly. <laughs> but remember this: since he dominated Pittsburgh both games, and they probably should have beat Green Bay, the team that's the Super Bowl favorite right right now. Green Bay went into Cincy in Week 5. They went into overtime in that game. And Green Bay actually covered the spread, but it was you know 25-22 final. It was not – it was a coin flip, I think, sure. at best. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Let's take a look at some of these games for the weekend, RJ. Green Bay – Six-point favorites now against the 49ers. Okay, so to me, this is a Jimmy G issue. It's going to be cold. He's less than 100% for sure. The theory is the line says he's going to have to be thrown from behind. That's not his strong suit. Now, on the other hand, you've got Green Bay that can't stop the run. And don't forget, one of the most amazing end-of-game situations the entire season was Aaron Rodgers bringing Green Bay back in the first San Francisco matchup. Do you remember that? Yep. What was it? Three. I think it was very analogous to the amount of time Green Bay would have had if Baltimore had scored on that two-point conversion against them. So it was because we were using that as a gauge. What was it? I, I bet you remember. What was it? Thirty-eight seconds. Exactly. Thirty-eight. Yep. Yeah, I remembered that. But um, no, no, no. I just you know we talked about it. At but the um. Uh, to me, how different is this comment? Well, one, Green Bay doesn't have home field if they don't win that game. True. Right? Don't have a bye. I mean, think about that. And they wouldn't be, hey, Green Bay just beat number one seed. Just, you know, they beat San Francisco. So it was a hell of a – I mean, you know, I don't know what the NFL projection was, but – it said that Green Bay, when they got the ball at 25-yard line, 37 seconds to go, down by two, had a 25% chance to win. Boy, that was giving a lot of credit to them. Wow. So, they they said 37, we said 38? Yeah, it was 30, 37 seconds to go. I think that's wrong. I think it was 38. <laughs> <laughs> at least someone said it was 38. That was in week, let's see here, when was that? That was week, wow, that was way back in, huh. Week three. Why am I missing that? Oh, there it is, week three. And now this is interesting. So this game was in San Francisco, and San Fran was a three-point underdog in this game. Three-point underdog at home. So now if we flip home field, we're giving three points to Green Bay. Okay, so now it's six. And let's give one and a half to San Francisco. That's about right. So this line would be about seven if it were – the same value of these teams as it was in week three. So, do we really feel like that Green Bay has improved that much relative to San Fran? I mean, San Fran, that's a fascinating question. Mackenzie, you're the resident San Fran expert here. What's your sense of what the power rating on the 49ers was in week three versus now relative to Green Bay? I think it's back to top five level, which it was to start the season. 
And slight correction, the 49ers are actually three-point favorites week three versus the Packers. Really? Let me see something here. That's weird. You know something? Someone's getting some heat. The first way, I got a new sheet. Pretty, pretty cool, don't you think? It is it, very cool. It's got every score of every game this year on a 17 by 11. Right, so it's like two pieces of paper, but it's actually called a tabloid piece of paper. And somehow, what does it say for San Francisco? Yeah, you know something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I made a mistake. Oh no! Yeah, so it's doing it from the team's perspective. That okay? God darn it! <laughs> it happens to the best of you us. Know, I There's had some a sigh of reliefs out there in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the number being where it is right now is, A, questions about Jimmy G, but also Bosa, Warner, the injuries that happened last week for the 49ers? Yeah, for sure. But let's double back to what the line actually was, because now it asks the question in the flip, right? Because it's going to be a, it was going to be a six-point swing, whatever way that, that mistake went. Is, 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 has Sam Fran really relatively improved that much? Because I didn't think Green Bay grew more than San Fran by any significant amount. Luckily, I had the wrong line, but my instinct was that's not right, right? So right. I mean, that's a good sign. So let's think about this: is if 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 Green Bay was a three-point underdog in that game, that remember they had just got crushed the week two weeks before against New Orleans. Green Bay got killed in that game. And 38-3. See, I got my sheet right in front of me. I got that one straight. And <laughs> the fact of the matter is, then they went against Detroit, you remember, were uh, behind at halftime on that Monday night game. And then they did okay in the second half, covered. And then they went in with San Fran, who had the history of running on them very effectively Kind of makes sense that at that point, San Fran was considered the better team by a significant margin. To be laying three at home, San Fran, one of the worst home teams, you know, their home field is tiny. Uh, one, I'd say. So them laying three was saying they are clearly better than Green Bay. We're now at a point where Green Bay gets three at home because they have the better home field. And I would make the case. You said arguably the best home field. I think almost certainly at this point. Um, amongst the teams in the playoffs, the competitive ones, when they're rocking and rolling, New Orleans and Seattle, and Minnesota is on that next cusp. I mean, yeah, it's Seattle's gone downhill. New Orleans has gone downhill. I don't think they're the big three back in the uh, three years ago: New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay. Green Bay is the last one. Where do Buffalo and Kansas City fall? Kansas City in regular season actually is like below average. Okay. I mean, the numbers say that. Now, some of that is, remember, here. this is what people get wrong about home field. It's not how good you are at home. It's how good you are at home relative to how good you are on the road. If you're like the Patriots, the Patriots, I was going to say they're they're not considered to be a great the, home team because yeah. they're so good on the road and at home. Well, at least in the Brady era, during the Brady era, they were so good on the road. Their home field might have been one one and a half, even though they were the toughest place to play, because it's really the difference between home and Green Bay's always been bad on the road relative to what you'd expect from a team with that record. Right up until under. Before LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers was below 500 for his career on the road. Think about that for a second. Below 500 for his career. ATS? Straight up. Oh, straight up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Now he is five games over 500. Being 39 and 9 over the last three years will do that for you. 
Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's take a look at these other games. The Kansas City Chiefs two-point favorites hosting the Buffalo Bills, but money coming in on Buffalo. You know, a couple mistakes this show. Do they? Does the audience want a best bet, AJ? I'm going to let you decide because I promised an early best bet here. What do you think? They certainly want a best bet. Even though I made a few mistakes. I think they're they're okay with it. Remember in Godfather 1, when they had the meeting with Salazzo? He was good with the knife, but only in matters of business. <laughs> After the meeting, he said, have Luca Brazzi come see me. And he whispered. That's what I, when, when I forgot Dan Byer... I've got to get. I mean, oh, security. I mean, I don't no. know what. I don't know what's gonna. Happen. We don't know if you're here tomorrow. <laughs> he takes it serious. Um, I love Dan. Uh, yeah, my best bet's gonna be in the next game. What do you, what's your take on this one? On the Bills and Chiefs, mm-hmm. I think that the Bills have proven that they are for real. I think defensively, they've been better than people think all year. I think that their defensive numbers are are better than people would. Think well, if you the, said the how the good numbers are, the Bills? are great. It's just the strength of schedule has been so bad. That's the scary part. But what what we have seen is Josh Allen show up big in the biggest games, and to have the best game of his life in that game against the Patriots last week, and before that, the best game of the season this year was against Kansas City on the road. So I think Josh Allen is stepping up into these big moments. And I asked the guys in the back, you can make an argument over the last two seasons. If you just take the last two seasons, forget the rest of time. Josh Allen's been a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's even a debate. In fact, I think each individual year that's been the case. I, yeah, you're probably right on so, that, too. I mean, it's got to be when you add them up. Um, here's the only thing about Buffalo, and I'm going to pose one thought to you here, is let's throw out the New England games. Why? Because that's a quirky matchup. New England runs an offense and a defense is different than any other really in the league right now. It's very atypical, or it's not typical. And because of that, it's a challenge, but it's not a challenge that necessarily translates to the rest of the league. Other than that, let's look at Buffalo since their bye. I mean, they had the bye in week seven, all right? Miami. During a losing streak, Jacksonville, Jets. Oh my gosh. Then they get crushed by the Colts, 41 15. Okay. They kill the Saints, but, you know, Saints, whatever you want to say. Win game happens next. They lose at Tampa. Overtime. They lose at Tampa. They did. <laughs> Carolina, uh, New England again, set it aside. Atlanta again, J- or Atlanta, Jets. So, literally, what is their most impressive? I mean, the Saints is impressive. All right? But even when you throw out the game, you know, two New England games, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games since a bye. You throw out two, there's nine. There's not one. The Saints is the only impressive game. They're not even a playoff team. Not even a playoff team. In fact, they didn't even play. They didn't beat a playoff team that entire run again, except New England. Now you can say, "Well, why are we doing that?" It's because New England's so different. It doesn't mean the Bills aren't good against New England. The question is, are they good against whomever? Well, earlier in the year, we saw they were good against KC. So I, I tell you this: if the Bills win. 
I'll be on Tennessee the next week. I, I, I strongly feel that one. But let's do my best bet. All right, let's go to the L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks. You're looking at three with reduced juice right now on the Bucks. Okay, so I'm going with the Rams plus three. And here's why. This surprises me. It does. It does. The more that I've thought about this, I've heard other analysis, and it really started striking home, is this is going to be a situation like the Super Bowl last year, that after the game, we said, of course, Kansas City wasn't going to be able to do anything without their line. Right? Is you got a great cornerback in the Rams, Ramsey, and how many good receivers do they have does Tampa have one? The, the, exactly, Evans. So if Ramsey's able to shut him down, now what? The Rams also very good against opposing tight ends. Another factor is you got Wirtz, who may or may not play, and the D line for the Rams. I, I think uh, what's his stat? Are we hearing Wirtz is playing. Uh, Wirtz, we haven't heard yet if he's playing. We know he's going to be limited at best. But one thing we've always talked about Brady. Brady against the blitz kills it. When you can get pressure with four, yeah, the Rams don't blitz. They don't blitz. The Rams will will get pressure with just four. And with a weakened line, it just feels like everything's pointing against them. And Stafford got the, you know, so we're get, all I'm saying is this feels like an even game. They played once, Rams won pretty easily. The fact I'm getting three is extra. It's an early best bet. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution in America's number one battery destination. And if you think about it, I actually am going to look to bet the Rams on some alternative lines. So let's say, um, you know, I can get the Rams minus nine and a half, but with a jumbo payout. Because one thing about Brady, when it starts to go bad, sometimes it's like a, it's like someone that has like a facelift. They have a toupee on. They got all, and then the wind starts blowing, and one thing flies off, the next thing flies off, next thing they look twenty years older. He starts smashing his Microsoft Surface and things like. That. I, I mean, so <laughs> this could be, uh, it could be a scene. Oh, I don't disagree. Right out of Vegas. Vegas! 